You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I'm Carrigan Thompson, and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS, and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. Perfect stuff. So thank you all for joining for our podcast today. Um, So obviously today we're going to be talking about everything to do with the EPR clinical leadership team within Liverpool Women's. Um, So I'm really excited to have all three of you involved today. Um, It'd be good to get a little introduction to each of you. If um, we can start with you, Matt, please. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having us on. So, yes, I'm uh, Matt Connor. Um, I'm the Chief Information Officer for Liverpool Women's. Um, and um, I've been here for about you know, two and a half years, starting in December 2019. So not long before um, the pandemic really hit. So it's been a bit of a strange uh, two years or so, really, in terms of digital transformation. Um, but it's been a really enjoyable experience and uh, really sort of pleased that we've got such great clinical leadership in our organisation that you know puts digital front and centre. Amazing thank you so much and thanks for joining today um, and then if we can head over to you please. Hi um, I'm Natalie Canham. I'm the Chief Clinical Information Officer at the Women's Hospital and I'm also a consultant in clinical genetics. Um, I was appointed, I started work on the 1st of April 2020, just as first lockdown went um, full blown. So that was quite an exciting time to enter the realms of digital leadership um, in a hospital. Um, uh, But it went well, I think. (laughs) Amazing stuff. Thank you so much. And thank you again for taking part today. And finally, last but not least, Genevieve, if you could introduce yourself, please. Yeah, so I'm Genevieve Cousineau. I'm the digital midwife at Liverpool Women's. Um, so I started at the Trust um, as a newly qualified midwife in 2017 um, after coming over from um, St Mary's in Manchester. Um, and sort of for the first four years of my career here, I worked on the delivery suite mostly. And then when uh, we were looking to uh, um, implement a digital solution to documentation, I applied for the role and was successful. Um, so I was here during the... Um, the project phase and the go live of um, the implementation of K2 Athena, which is the um, documentation system used across maternity. Amazing, thank you so much. And again, thank you to yourself for joining today. Um, so I think it's good if we just get straight into it and start talking everything that we want to cover today. Um, if we can start with you, Matt, and if you could go into a bit of detail as to what is the impact of digital transformation without effective clinical co-design and leadership? Well, I think the risk is that we we become silos, and I think actually it's probably fair to say that the risk of silos can happen actually within teams within digital itself. So, I think uh, you know that co-design collaboration ha- happens at you know all levels really. But even if you know we do that effectively as a digital service and we deliver some, something to the organisation, probably quite deliberately with you know with that word and two, um, then we have a real risk of of failing the adoption piece. Um, I think I think you know, and we're coming from a position. I think where um, we're in this sort of transition phase, where we're starting to we're starting to improve in this regard, but there's still very much, well, there can be um, a a perception that you know a digital system sits with digital or sits with IT, and um, and I think you know if you've got effective co-design clinical leadership, 
um, you'll you'll break down those barriers, you know, and those systems will be owned, and vice versa. If it, you know, if if it's if you're poor, you know, sort of engagement and clinical leadership, then you're just going to exasperate that problem. Really, I think, um, and often, you know, digital uh, teams aren't the ex subject matter experts. You know, they they they're good at you know sort of you know plumbing. Uh, architecting very skilled, uh, you know, sets of, of uh, different teams, different roles, different staff. But often, you know, the knowledge sits in the organisation and it, it really does need to be a co-design effort. Um, so, you know, we, we, we really won't yield the benefits of um, or the perceived benefits of our digital innovations if we don't have that sort of like, you know, joint approach, if you like. Um, and I think just the final thing is, I think we we don't we often think of clinical leadership. Uh, you know, we, we must establish clinical leadership uh, when we talk about clinical systems uh, deployment, but actually it goes beyond that. We we've seen we've seen some real benefit by having our um, you know, an one of our associate CCIOs involved in leading um, what we call our fast user logon project, which is technically historically quite a technical and IT centric project. But the, the benefits of actually get shaping that correctly uh, it's been quite evident by having that clinical leadership and engagement and co-design um so there are there are a number of pitfalls um and you know those pitfalls can be anything from well in the worst case you know you can introduce you know clinical safety issues which why which is why it's important to have you know clinical safety officer um resources and focus um but it can lead to inefficiencies, of course. Um, it can lead to um, ill-conceived and configured systems, and it can also lead to obviously financial um, impact or operational impact. When we think about hospital hospital organisations, you know, and that's what you know where we are from. Um, you know, a poorly designed system can can affect you know uh, patients in many ways, um, including you know the, the capacity clinic. Uh, availability um, and really it can introduce delays into the whole sort of you know uh, process so if it feels quite negative actually when you think of all the possible things that can go wrong um, but there are many things that you know you can you can enjoy really and, and, and improve through effective uh, you know clinical design so yes that's my view of it really Amazing, thank you. Um, going into it a little bit more from um, yourself, Natalie or Genevieve, is there anything that you'd want to add um, a little bit more from from kind of your positions to that at all? Yeah, um, I think so. It's uh, clinicians and digital people are very different people and look look at things in a different in different ways. Um, and there are things that seem obvious to clinicians that never even occur to people on the digital side and the other way around as well. I think one of the advantages of being relatively digitally naive um, is to be able to say, can it do this thing? And the answer might be, no, you're an idiot. But it might be, oh, do you know, it might be able to. And then you can get something new that per perhaps a um, a more digitally astute person might be uh, best, you know, just never occur to them because it's not the way it's done. But I think it's very important both getting the uh, the the clinical engagement, clinical involvement, uh, so that, as Matt says, so that it's designed right for the clinicians, because it is the clinicians that are using it, 
not the not the people in the digital side um but also the engagement they want they need to like it so that they use it properly and um you know it needs to work for them because if digital systems don't work for clinicians they find ways of ignoring them or abusing them so uh, you need to make it work so that it will be used properly yeah i think i agree nasty i think from my point of view from from implementing k2 i didn't anticipate how much how much my, my opinion as a clinician would contribute to the team particularly when we were sort of at that crucial stage where we were trying to keep to the timeline and and you know pushing the project forward and at one point we had to stop and you know the project managers going but why but why but why because I've, I've raised a, a risk and ultimately because I, because I've got that perspective as a clinician being able to stop and say well because it's, it's the difference between a good outcome and a poor outcome and I think the digital sometimes the digital side don't have that sort of um, that perception of, of why something so small is so important from a clinician's point of view and how that can impact on patient safety and as you say um, staff usability of the system. Yeah, just just to add to that point, Jen, I think you're absolutely spot on there because I think you know we're we're all very close to a lot of the the, the, the program well the program work that we work with it. Digital folk often want to see us succeed as much as anyone else. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, I wouldn't say they do it at the detriment, but actually we have to be really brave sometimes to say, actually, this is not going to go live when we intended it to, because there's, but there's very good reason. And I think that's where that clinical and nursing and, you know, other healthcare professional voice really does uh, play such an important role because it puts, it places the context and, you know, just going back to K2, we did delay it by a month, didn't we? Because we absolutely wanted to make sure it was right. And actually, when we had that um, sort of like, you know, uh, go live uh, review meeting, really, we had all the right stakeholders involved. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if we didn't, if we hadn't had that, would we have made a mistake? Possibly. Um, but, with, but with that voice, we, def we definitely avoided it. So I think it's really important that we, we don't forge ahead for the sake of it, but actually we, we do it for the for the right reasons and it needs a sort of combined voice. I, I kind of feel like um, there's a balance to be gained really, isn't it? Because um, in some ways, the role of the digital person is to help guide and orchestrate and not, you know, allow that passion, that unfettered, you know, desire to, to look for solutions. Often as well, you know, clinicians will come up with solutions and that's okay, I think. Um, I think we can have healthy challenge around, uh, you know, sometimes there might be good reasons why that might not be the best solution. It might not fit into the, if you like, the ecosystem of, of EPR that you have. It might not integrate particularly well. There could be cybersecurity reasons or vendor capability reasons. And I think that's where the skill of the digital role comes in to help, you know, tease that out. But we absolutely want, you know, all healthcare staff really to feel empowered enough to come up with their own solutions and then you know uh, the governance that wraps around that really does then come into effect from the digital team so it really is like a partnership um i feel yeah i agree and i think i think we do it really well here i agree i think we do we've got although i mean i my title is clinical information chief clinical information officer but i'm not doing it for the doctors i you know um, the, the, 
absolutely the nurses the midwives the um, allied health professionals the pharmacists the all the other people are just as important and probably know more about a lot of processes than I do um, and I think we do <laughs> we're blowing our own trumpets aren't we but I think we do have a really good um, team that work together on both sides from both sides of the tracks shall we say yeah absolutely I think it's what it's about you have to you're doing something good as a trust it's you have to speak about everything that's going well I think what could be good to understand is how as a trust you think you've got to that point like what is it you think that you're doing well that maybe some other trust may not have have that got to that stage yet what do you think it is that's got you to this point now I think we're quite good at shared learning I think so so the, the project I was sort of leading on which was K2 um went live last year and I think we um following the go live we um all met up again and we went through our lessons learned and all those and we were quite hypercritical of ourselves so that we, we got the most out of it but we've also now shared that with um the medtech expanse program so that they don't make the same mistakes that we did and not necessarily huge mistakes but things that cost us time um, and things that we had to repeat and i think that shared learning was, was is really sort of critical and it would have been great if we'd had that as a team from k2 because we were the first we didn't have that sort of insight um but we we definitely did share everything with with that team and we are part of that team as well because we're hoping to, to get that cohesion between the two systems and I think it's helped that um, we're kind of a relatively new team. So Matt came in, as he said, in late 2019. I came in in 2020. Um, the K2 thing was kind of a happening around that time as well. So it's we've sort of I mean, obviously, Matt's certainly not new as CIO, but he is to our trust. And so we've kind of built you know come in new and gone right okay Matt's come in and gone this is, we need more clinical engagement and then sort of built from there and got more and more clinical digital specialists which I think is really important I think it's great that we've got digital specialists across you know we've got theatre digital specialists a pharmacy digital specialists uh, you know across all over and I think that's very important that that it's the recognition from the digital side that clinical have opinions that might not always be completely mad yeah i mean well that's the benefit isn't it having you know having those different opinions i think when i sort of reflect back um i think first of all you know a new a new investment is always helpful in terms of bringing on new people I think probably the challenge is different if you, you're in a steady state and you're trying to develop that clinical leadership. I think when you put a new system in, you can build that in often into the programme. So I think what really has helped us as an organisation is that when we started the, um, the sort of strategy work around digital, we listened to our staff, you know, we did a number of workshops and we, and we listened and, you know, some of the things, you know, there were things that come out, you know, too many systems, they didn't talk to each other, but actually they wanted to be part of you know the engagement process now in reality often in, in a broader sense when we say co-design and, and, and engagement that is still a challenge because of the, the pressures that all our clinical uh, and our professional uh, healthcare staff are under currently uh, more so than ever but it is really important um, I think also what helps us is we we are a relatively small organization so that make that does make a difference as well I think um, 
But yeah, ap absolutely. I think uh, that really sort of sowed the seeds. And I think, you know, going back to, you know, our clinical programme aware, a new um, investment always helps with attracting roles. And uh, that's, that's a different proposition if you're in a steady state as an organisation and you need to develop your clinical leadership. Um, and I am talking broadly, you know, when I say clinical, because you've got a whole host of different roles, uh, as Natalie has mentioned. So I think the challenge for us, you know, is, and for any organisation is, is it's convincing and being, and, and having that, you know, assurance around, you need these roles long term, the permanence, they're not, it's not just around putting in K2 or Meditech Expands or whatever the system is, it's, it's, it's sustaining that because I often, a lot of the design, the adoption challenges are cultural. They take they take time, and also there's a, an upskilling of staff that you 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 need to address. And and again, those roles play such an important uh, part in 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 helping with that also. And thank you so much. I think it's um, a nice one to move into um, to a question for, for yourself, Natalie. If you could go into a little bit more about why is clinical leadership important in digital solutions? Um, I mean, to a certain extent, we've covered quite a lot of it already, of course, because it's, you know, um, the best IT person in the world does not know what you do in a clinical genetics clinic. To be fair, most doctors don't know what you do in a clinical genetics clinic. So you need, with this various specialist, um, you need contributions to make that clinic work for the clinical geneticist and not to make it work for a midwife who it wouldn't be helpful for. Um, so I think recognising the differences between specialties, the particular needs of specialties, that can only really be done from within the specialties or at least from within their, you know, their broad, uh, their broad spectrum. Um, and um, as I mentioned before, really, you need your clinic the the wider clinical team to like what you're producing you need it to work for them and you need them to to recognize the benefits of it um and the difference of it compared to you know another um the, the previous system and recognize that things are work essentially and i've certainly um i work by nature of my role I work in other trusts as well and I have seen the cursing about their terrible systems and how awful it is and how I would never have designed it like you know if I if I was asked to design it I wouldn't do this nonsense so I think hopefully I mean I'm sure we'll have some um, <laughs> but um, hopefully this won't be a feature of our new EPR because it has been designed by us or at least people like us and so therefore it should recognize the the inbuilt difficulties and have ways around them or ways of of getting you know banishing the previous inbuilt difficulties that everybody recognizes um outside you know everybody on on the shop floor as it were recognizes because at least we can ameliorate them Perfect. Thank you so much. And is there anything from yourself, Matt or Genevieve, that you wanted to add towards that at all? I know we covered quite a lot of it within the first kind of point as well. Do you want to go first, Jen? No, you go first. <laughs> well, I think you're right. I think we've covered quite a lot. Uh, just again, I think about um, 
you know what, what Jen said before. Um, you know the, the importance of clinical uh, leadership, um, and it, it's not like you know it, it develops over time. I think I, I, you said it before, Jen. We, we, when we started, I, you know, and Natalie, you said it. We were very kind of we're all quite new uh, when we started sort of the digital maternity pro pro, pro project. Um, you know, you were you were new in post, and you know we've, we've had this conversation before, haven't we? You know, yeah. the gen that started it to the gen now, right? As in experience around digital is night and day, and you can't put, you know, well, you probably can actually, but you can't put a price on that. That the value of it really is immeasurable, really. And you know, as we all grow and we spend time doing this, it's like having that organisational memory. That the value increases. So you know, the value of clinical leadership from day one, the the intention for it is the same. But the actual real value we get out of it is, 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 is even better now. And that's because of that uh, sustained um, investment and acknowledgement that, you know, the, these roles are important. Um, and I think just going back to your point, Natalie, will we make mistakes? We'll always make mistakes and we'll always make uh, some things we look back and think we could have done that differently, which is the lessons and aim piece. But I think the difference is when you've got that uh, line of communication, that two-way partnership, you can you can discuss that you can manage expectations and you can actually say and we've we've done this haven't we you know in terms of our current program of work you know that important thing you want we can't deliver that from day one of go live we just can't because otherwise what we do achieve will be half baked or we'll be able to do it in the time frame that we've got but we are absolutely committed to addressing that as part of our optimization work and I think when you've got a mature um, sort of clinical leadership. Digital, you know, digital nursing, digital maternity, you know, and all these routes into the organisation. A bit like tentacles into the organisation, isn't it? Um, you, you've, you've got a, a much more mature relationship, I think, where you can have those conversations and you can manage those expectations and you can agree those expectations together, actually. So I think there's a, there's a number of, you know, it's really important, but actually the longer you've got it in place and it's established, it's even more important and it's even more effective. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, like you said, Matt, when I came into this role, I didn't know anything about project management. I didn't understand the language. I didn't know the ins and outs of the product. I just knew the product from working in another trust and it was only half of it really. But I think that by having the clinical leaders in post, so you've got, you know, you've got me, Gillian, Jill, you've got Nick, you've got Jen, in all those areas that Natalie mentioned before, it gives the staff a sense that they, they know who to go to and even down to the you know they need a new keyboard they come to us and that's nothing to do with us but it makes them feel that as though they've got a, a point like j just someone to go to when you know when they've got an idea or when something's not working as good as it could have um, and I think without your digital leadership you, you wouldn't have that you you wouldn't know who to go to um and whose roles and responsibilities were which so um I definitely think that has been a, a, a key part of the success of the trust particularly with K2 um, in getting it live and not like Matt says, including the staff in it and and making them feel like they've had um, you know input into the system that they'll be using at the end of the day. That's an important point actually you've raised there because I think from a purely IT uh, focus we, we're, we're often sort of really proud of and we should be of our industry practices like ITIL and we'll say you know have you logged that with the help desk? And yes, it is important that we do get our activity logged and we can, because there's, there's good reasons for that. 
But that point you raise around, you know, um, staff come to you around anything. And the interesting thing is, and this came out of the workshop around the strategy, um, when we asked them what does digital mean to you, often it was like it's the IT, IT support function. Well, actually, I've got information services, clinical systems, I've got health records, information governance, project team, clinical coding, IT, and so on. And they're all vastly different, very different roles. Um, but they people aren't expected to know that. Should they? I don't know. But actually, what matters is, is that they can go to anyone and be signposted. And I think that is no more, no more important a role that you know our clinical uh, digital leaders offer because people feel a lot more comfortable going to you know colleagues in the same role or very similar roles than they might do in terms of you know co coming to an IT person that they, they're not sure actually what it is they do. I think it's also quite important that those of us that are on the clinical digital side we speak digital to a certain extent and we speak clinician and I've certainly interpreted messages from one to another you know they're saying I, I don't uh, I want this thing done and the digital people are replying and really nobody understands each other and then they copy me in and I say what she is saying is xyz what he is saying is ABC and they both go right okay we'll sort this out and I think that is that is an important thing that you know most most clinicians certainly of of an older a later generation shall we say um are fairly wary of of digital I mean, most people were trained using paper um and still want to use paper and they're terrified of the concept of not having a piece of paper in front of them uh, which is going to be all things going well the 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 fact in um in our trust as soon as our uh, full epr goes live and that does terrify people and um i think you know those of us who have trained with paper know how much it terrifies people and so we can calm their calm their nervous hearts and and show them how this is better than paper because it says the things you want and it doesn't catch fire. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's um, you, you just you reminded me of Gemma's. So Gemma is one of our associate CCIOs for Gynae and uh, you know, she's again, she's a really important part of our team. And um, it was that presentation. So uh, when we talk about EPR, uh, Gemma described it really in terms of a clinical illness in some ways, described, you know, some of the current um, inefficiencies of multiple systems that aren't connected as chronic multiple systems failure. I mean, that is definitely a clinical, you know, uh, description of a problem and actually it relates. So, and it was really powerful the way it was, you know, Gemma described, you know, where we are now and where we want to get to. Um, and I think I think having that, you know, and having different approaches and different personalities, different experiences, just makes us more rounded and more accessible. But more importantly, allows us to uh, hopefully get things more right than we get wrong, and uh, you know, really seek out that uh, extended level of, if you like, co-design, engagement, um, and feedback around sort of the, you know, because let's be honest, many organisations have done an awful lot of digital transformation over the last two years as part of the sort of response to the pandemic and you know it's difficult to maintain such a you know a pace 
And we've got to be considerate as well around understanding understanding the impact of what we've done. And again, having that that that, that voice from our uh, colleagues across the hospital, you know, and uh, having a way into um, feedback and to share experiences is, is really important. And again, you know, clinical leadership really sort of like you know it enhances that. I think. Amazing. Thank you so much. I think kind of the the recent kind of points that we've brought up kind of does move us on nice and swiftly to um to a question for yourself, Genevieve. If I can come to you and ask you how is it that you respond to clinicians' concerns and requests, and how do you communicate what you do with the wider team? Um, so I'd say from the very beginning, we've took a very um, active listening and responsive approach to addressing the concerns um, and requests uh, from the clinicians. Um, definitely sort of, you know, pre-go live, we had that project team that consisted of um, clinicians, including myself, the deputy head of midwifery at the time, and um, Mark Clement-Jones, who's one of our consultant obstetricians. And I think because of that, we were able to sort of anticipate um, some of the concerns that the staff would have pre-go live because that all still feels very sort of fresh even though it's been 18 months um, we, we definitely sort of knew the challenges that we were going to have ahead of the go live and, and the worries that the staff were going to have and so we were able to um, sort of preempt those and reassure the staff at the time so a lot of these concerns were raised um, through training and um, so once we saw the system the you know they'd worry about how they were going to use it in practice and that kind of thing and we already had those um, those questions that answered really and we were able to communicate that really effectively to them in the training sessions. Um, for the questions that we couldn't really answer at the time maybe because we, we weren't completely sure because it was such a big system and we were still process mapping and you know maybe didn't have the information to hand at the time we collated all of the, the common sort of questions and the not so common ones um, and we'd answer them on paper and then we'd circulate them um, to the staff or we do sort of demo sessions and go through it again and clarify the answer. Um, and we've continued to do that throughout, really. So we did it, I'd say again, pre-go live. And then for the initial launch, as we found other concerns or other questions that were coming up really frequently, we'd collate them all together, put them into a nice comms that we could send out and circulate trust-wide. Trust um, because even though it's just a, even though it's a maternity system, it does affect a lot of the clinical support services around the trust. And so we did communicate um, all of this with the, with the wider team. And then sort of post go live, you know, 18 months on, we continue to do that. So we still have regular releases um, of optimizations into the system um, and we have to put out demos. And again, you get a lot of concerns back about how is this going to work in practice. Um, and me and the other digital midwife, Amy, we 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 you know we we believe are quite good at um, sort of documenting those concerns down on paper, responding to staff, you know, at at the point where we can, but also just documenting it into sort of a nice sort of newsletter format and circulating it to all of the wider team, and um, because we do rotate a lot, so something that you know affects the community, so things like you know connectivity, hardware issues with battery life, and that kind of thing. It, it's sort of specific to them, but the staff do actually rotate into them areas. And so all staff do need to be aware of these issues and how we're challenging them and um, how we're working towards making things better for them. Um, so a perfect example of that, Matt, is the, the connectivity, isn't it? So um, connectivity issues out in community and, um, and, and, you know, it has been an ongoing issue and we have put a lot of things in place to sort of um, 
rectify it as best we can but we've actually got a lot of other things coming up and so to keep the staff sort of in the loop we, we find it really helpful to give them regular dates and time scales and try and be realistic and manage expectations because we do understand the frustrations um as as clinicians we do understand how frustrating it is when the tools that you need to do your job don't work as effectively as they need to and that's where you get the staff disengaging um because after a period of time and fatigue, they will just step back and say, I'm not going to do it. And like Natalie said, they will find a way around it and they will they will find they will find any work around possible. So for me and Amy, it's really important that we do stay engaged with the staff and we do um, show that we are actively listening to them and documenting the concerns and then redistributing that information back to them and back to the wider team so that we don't actually get the same questions again and we get more time to address a wider array of issues um and so another a perfect example of that is that since since the initial go live well more since january we've been going out into the community areas and seeing the staff in the in their place of work to understand and sort of really get an in-depth perception of what they are experiencing and then we can sort of think of ideas that we can do to, to improve that for them and where we can't do that that's when we then sort of go to matt and the other side of the it services and say what can you do to help the team and then we feed that back again and that we found has been quite effective hasn't it matt it has it has really and then you know it's 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 i think your role's changed hasn't it really from being very much around implementation and development into that that you know support and business as usual role and i, I was going to ask you jen actually you know you know, are you when you look at the busyness? So you look at the two different sides. You know, putting the system in and then you know, effectively operating it. Do you, do you feel any more busy now than you were before? Yeah, and I think people. I think a lot of a lot of the sort of senior leadership and other staff and um, you know, teams. They also thought it must be sort of after that initial go live. Was like, oh, it must be settling down now, though. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't think it ever will. I definitely think it's it is a very different kind of busy. And again, still still learning and still learning new skills of how to communicate staff and man and again manage expectations and deliver the things that you promise. Um, but no, I'd I'd definitely say, you know, since since so I managed on my own just about pre-go live, but post-go live, we had to have that conversation, didn't we, Matt, where I said this is too much for one person. Um and and we managed to get a second digital midwife in role because the the level of, you know. The, the, the role has changed completely because not only now are we continuing to train um, and trouble it's now a lot of troubleshooting optimizations testing um it's just it's a lot it's a, it's it's such a varied role and i don't think we we are i don't think me and amy are particularly good at portraying that to the staff i think they don't understand the role as well as as you know we we should probably sort of put something together to explain to them what we actually do because it's a lot around the data quality. Data quality is so important and takes up so much of our time. Um, and honestly, we could have one of us just doing that full time, but the rest of the stuff wouldn't get picked up. Um, but yeah, complete, completely different to the first sort of eight months of the role, but still really interesting and still, as I say, gaining new insights and new skills and still getting my head around the digital world because I, prior to this, I was a clinician. And as I say, I had no sort of... Um, project experience but it's um it, it it continues to be very very interesting and definitely gain an understanding of how digital will imp impact on clinicians and how care provision is um implemented it, it 
I think it will be really interesting to share that with the wider team and that's probably something we need to do because they need to understand how this is here to support them doing their role but also how it will support the, the service going forward. And, and that's why it, the optimization bit and the adoption bit is is more important than actually the, uh, the implementation. You'll never get everything right. You'll never get everything, everything right when you, you you put something new in. You'll get the more time you spend on it, the more you'll get right. But you'll always get things that aren't quite right, and, that, and that's okay, providing you're not adding risk, clinical risk, particularly. Um, but it's it's changing that mindset that these things have a life, and it's like anything. You've got to nurture it, and you've got to improve it. And that's just that repeat of, you know, that's that loop, isn't it, of um, feedback. So optimization, adoption never really truly ends. It probably, that you, you'll, you'll get to a point where there's less, you know, less optimization to make. But then you might, you might start to add new, completely new bits of functionality or upgrades that, that are part of the life cycle. And so it's, it's absolutely perfectly normal, the sort of where you are now. And you're just busy because it's, because clinical leadership's important. And it, it, it's got a number of, important activities um so yeah yeah and i think you know that it, it's been a, a learning curve as well sort of how to communicate to, to that wide array of staff that, that we impact that you know the digital side of things impacts on and we've been quite quite creative with how we do that and you know we're doing that in sort of through newsletter format we do it through a digital like a digital newsletter we do videos, so we've got a link on all the desktops across the trust, which they can also access from home. So we do put a lot of updates on there. We put a lot of demos on there, um, a lot of training support. Um, and then, as I say, we do a lot. Of, we did a lot of listening events as well, didn't we, Matt? Sort of post go live. And again, even we didn't sort of respond to the to the a lot of the issues and um, ideas raised at the time, so that we could sort of collate as many as we could. Um, but we did a few of those events and then sat down and documented and release that out to sort of in a, in a nice sort of um readable format for them and it meant that they could refer back to it as well and and then um, we were sort of held accountable then to saying well they, you know you you said we did and we are continuing to do um and they, they were really successful so i think definitely the things that we've sort of done previously are things that we'll take forward um with the continued optimizations in the way that we deliver and communicate with the team so where we have been a lot busier and not been as communicative with the team as we usually are um we've 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 seen the impact of that and you do see that they come to you more often going where are you up to with this where are we up to with that when's this going to get done in the system um so actually it benefits us as much as them to keep them in the loop continuously and manage those expectations going forward and keeping them engaged with the digital transformation um, and, and again let you know where they have got ideas and where they do want to do some testing and see how things are going to work we're always open to that and we, we we quite enjoy getting another clinician's perspective on the system because ultimately they are the end user and they are the ones who are using it day in day out not me so it definitely um definitely benefits everyone to keep them in the loop and engaged with the systems outside of k2 sort of in the in the wider hospital we have uh, monthly digital hospital subcommittee and I guess we benefit from being a, a relatively small trust of only three divisions which means that one division a month gets to bring their digital report to us but it's their what they like in digital what they don't like what they need what they would like in the future and we do a big you know we do a you said we did thing out of that as well now at the moment quite a lot of the things 
that we don't like or we need, we'll say it's going to be in the EPR. So there's going to be a great big you said we did when the EPR goes live going all of these things you hate. They don't ha exist anymore. Here's the EPR. But um, I think that's valuable and the, hopefully the, this, the divisions, obviously it's the divisional leads, but I would hope that they cascade it down, you know, through through their departments and, and their staff. And I know that they get their various staff, to, you know, different departments contribute to their bits. So I think that's quite valuable because it gives, because they have to do it every three months, it concentrates their minds and our minds on the digital issues within the trust. You know, there's now obviously we're working extremely hard on new PR, new EPR, Jen, even um, Amy work incredibly hard on the existing new, the, the, the maternity one, but we have to kind of keep abreast of the current, you know, we can't just go, it'll all be fine in a few months when we bring the new EPR in, we've still got to deal with now because people are still having babies and having operations and they won't go away and not and stop having those things until we've installed an EPR so I think that's very useful and it respond and it's a good way of responding and being you know being seen to respond to clinical concerns Amazing. Thank you so much. So I think that kind of covers everything that we set out to achieve within the podcast and it's given us a real insight and to finding out more to do with the EPR clinical leadership team within Liverpool Women's. Um, so I just wanted to double check to see if there's anything else anyone wanted to add before we finally come to a close um, on this podcast. Not from me. Thank you for having us. Not from me. I think the only thing I would have to add from a sort of clinical leader for clinicians is it's not scary jump going into the dark side. It's actually quite light over there. Um, I genuinely didn't know what a CCAO was. I'd never heard of it before the post came up and several people in my department went, you should do this, Natalie. So then I found out what it was and I applied to it. I'm sure Genevieve had no idea that digital midwives were anything other than a little um, emoji in on on her phone. Um, and you know, w w there's not a lot of knowledge and kind of brooding about of digital clinicians, and I think there should be. Um, and perhaps you know, if clinicians are listening to this and think, "Well, you know, I think that sounds quite good. I could do that." You probably can, and I would encourage you to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, I think the the lack of understanding with those digital roles definitely needs to be improved upon and and shared on what what the purpose of digital and the digital transformation is and how it will ultimately support staff in in you know the support of provision and safe and effective care and supporting them with the documentation and keeping in line with professional standards. Once you've got that sort of real understanding of of how these tools can support you with that it, it really does motivate you to, to get involved and to, to put your ideas forward and to um to contribute to something that you're going to use day in day out but there is just that current lack of understanding that needs to be that needs to be addressed it's definitely something that we'll be looking to do going forward i think 